0: Welcome to TopCon Talks Agriculture. I'm Tara Baker, and today we have what can historically be thought of as a boring subject, taxes. But let me tell you folks, the dollars and cents that can be recouped from the write-offs in section 179 that we're going to dive into can be huge paybacks to a small business owner. So it's going to be interesting and it can have a real positive impact on your bottom line if used correctly. We have an expert in his field, Neil Narvison, joining us from Compure Financial, which is a renowned ag lending institution across the Midwestern United States. So let's jump right in here with Neil. Can you share a little bit about your background, Neil?
1: Sure. let uh, Side. my name is Neil Narvison. I'm a manager of tax and accounting for the Southwest region of Compere Financial. I'm located okay in Dodgeville, uh, Wisconsin right now. Yesterday, I said I'm a CPA with over 25 years experience. I stopped counting at 25, and I don't want to make myself too old. Uh, so I stopped at 25 years and just say over 25. Um, been in public accounting my whole life and uh, started off an audit, switched over to tax and, and accounting, been dealing with uh, small businesses and uh, farmers uh, for the majority of my career, and I uh, just joined Compere here in the last uh, month or so, and I'm really looking forward to uh, really helping out the farmers in the rural America uh, with their tax accounting planning needs.
0: Uh, really, really cool. Uh, so you've been in numbers your whole life. Um, not my cup of tea, but we certainly need folks like you advising businesses, uh, especially the small and medium sized businesses in America really need that advisory team like you to kind of help keep things afloat, especially during a year like 2020. But before we dig into um, some of the specifics of, of tax and and Section 179, which is going to be our main topic for today, uh, can you share with us what you might do for fun or on the side to get away from crunching numbers?
1: Sure. Uh, some of the things I do, I've got a family. i got three children that are all in college right now, so uh, I'm transitioning to what I like to do prior to that when they're in high school and stuff, you know, it's all about the kids and spending time with the family. Now that they're away to college and creating their own life, uh, starting to uh, reconnect with my wife a little bit more. Uh, You know, we've come to see each other more rather than relying on the kids. So I like to travel with uh, my wife. We like to uh, get out about and see things. Uh, I also am a big sports fan. I'm a huge uh, baseball fan. So I like the Brewers. Uh, Grew up in Dodgeville, so I'm a big Badger fan uh, Whether it comes to football. Uh, hockey anything like that it's so any kind of sporting event i'd like to get to um, my wife likes to travel and see things so we're been out and about seeing some parts of the state that we haven't seen before uh, especially with the son at uw eau claire uh, i haven't really visited that area too much but was up visiting him and got out and saw some county parks with uh, some waterfalls and stuff and the beautiful fall colors so uh, just kind of a transition period in my life as far as trying to figure out exactly what we like to do. So, uh, got a dog also that keeps us busy as usual. Uh, it's like our, our final child. <laughs> so, those are kind of things that, uh, that I'd like to do for fun.
0: So, you're experiencing that tra- transition to being an empty nester. I'm sure a lot of our listeners are going to be able to associate with that. Um, and spoken like a true Wisconsinite, brewers and badgers all the way,
1: huh? <laughs> oh, of course. You up that way. What kills me in my heart is my, uh, two of my daughters go to the University of Minnesota, so they're golfers, And I cannot fear for them and their sports team. So uh, my, my kids, my daughters actually joke that they're going to buy me a, a golfer shirt for Christmas one year, and they're going to make me wear it. I'm like, I'll be dead before I put on a gopher shirt. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You're not afraid to send your kid over the border, Minnesota, but you're not certainly not going to embrace it, huh?
1: <laughs> I didn't have any choice. They chose me over there. If I didn't have a choice, I want to send them there. But You know, like the kids decide on their own. It's their life. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All righty. Well, hey, thank you so much again for joining us. Um, Our listeners tend to be in the agriculture realm farmers, small business owners, equipment dealers, um, equipment manufacturers, and ag industry professionals. And so, a lot of folks uh, that are going to be listening are filing taxes as a business. And one of the big things is this Section 179. So, can you share for anybody that might not have a strong background in it um, what Section 179 entails? And how you work with it on a regular basis?
1: Sure. Section 179 allows a taxpayer to elect to deduct the cost of certain types of property on their income taxes and expense, rather than requiring the cost to be capitalized and depreciated over the useful life of the property. This allows for a greater deduction on the tax churn in the year that you did claim the Section 179, thereby reducing the tax liability. This applies to farming and that qualified property acquired by purchase but not from a spouse or ancestor or lineal descendant can be elected for 179 So if you bought something from a spouse, your parents, grandparents, or from your children, you cannot take 179 on that. But anything else that you purchase would be eligible for 179 if it's eligible property. Now eligible property consists of tangible personal property. So that is not real property. It includes some of the following it's machinery and equipment, property contained in or attached to a building, other than the structural components, such as milk tanks would be eligible, automatic feeders, barn cleaners, and then obviously office equipment that you use for keeping track of your records, that would be eligible. Also, livestock, including horses, cattle, hogs, sheep, goats, and then the fur-bearing animals, the mink and other fur-bearing animals would qualify. Also a facility used for the bulk storage of fungible commodities. So that's like a grain bin would be an example of that would be uh, eligible for section 179. Also single purpose agricultural or horticultural structures are eligible. And the way that we use this is you buy the piece of equipment. You don't know if you're going to claim 179 when you buy the equipment. This is all going to be done Right now, about this time of year, when you start doing tax planning for our clients, you start looking at it and seeing where your net income uh, is sitting for that year or for this year. So some of the things you need to look at is that if there's a net income, you're eligible to take what, Section 179. If you're running at a loss, there's no chance to do that Section 179. You cannot go below zero by using 179. So you either gotta have income and reduce it down to zero or as low as possible. Or if you're at a loss, unfortunately 179 is not gonna be qualified, you're not gonna qualify for 179. And therefore you would have to depreciate the equipment over time or take the bonus depreciation, which is out there. Um, And I'll get the bonus depreciation a little more. That's a little offshoot from the 179. for twenty twenty, the tax deduction limit for section one seventy nine is one million and forty thousand dollars. And then so you can deduct up to that amount for section one hundred seventy-nine. Now you could also the twenty twenty spending cap is two thousand five hundred and ninety dollars. I'm sorry, two million five hundred and ninety thousand dollars. What that means is you cannot make purchases over two thousand keep saying two thousand, over two million without reducing the tax deduction limit dollar for dollar. So if you buy more equipment than $2,590,000 and you're over that limit, every dollar you're over that limit, you reduce your tax deduction for Section 179. Section 179 completely phases out at $3,630,000 in purchases. So if you purchase over that amount in assets, In the current year, you would not be eligible for 179 at all. It would be totally eliminated. As I talked about earlier, there's a bonus depreciation off that right now, too, and that's 100% on new or used equipment with a 20 year recovery period or less. So that means the useful life of the asset has to be less than 20 years, 20 years or less, in order to take that bonus depreciation. And that's separate from 179, but they play hand in hand when we're looking at tax planning. You're looking at what you can do for 179 and what you can do for bonus depreciation. So, bonus depreciation is you use it or lose it. Same thing with the Section 179, each year is independent from each other. Um, and like I said, we look at it during this time of year for tax planning and seeing where you are, looking at your purchases that you've had for this year, and seeing where your income level is, what's the best strategy as far as trying to minimize the tax liability. And reducing it by using some section 179, section 179 or bonus depreciation.
0: So several years ago, Section 179 was referred to as the SUV tax loophole or the Hummer deduction because a lot of businesses have used this tax code to write off uh, qualifying purchases like SUVs or Hummers. Uh, but it, it sounds like that section of, or that part of Section 179 has been reduced or changed. Can you talk through a little bit about what what some of those changes have been from 2020 to previous years?
1: Sure. I mean, so, so, so. The difference between 2020 and previous years is every year, Section 1, gets adjusted to, for this tax deduction limit and the spending cap. So every year that's changing. Now, right now, they've got higher limits and spending caps because they want to stimulate the economy and encourage people to invest the money and equipment. Uh, so they've increased those limits. Now, if the economy gets rolling again, we get past this whole COVID-19, and everything's going well again. I fully expect those limits to go down again. They, started, they are lower than this. Um, and I can see this affecting, you know, it's every year is just different. It all depends on what's going on with the economy, what they're trying to do. So those limits always change. The SUV uh, deduction that you're talking about, in the past you could deduct the full amount of the SUV, but they've limited that quite a bit severely. Now the maximum you take on the SUV uh, or a Hummer, as you're talking about, would be 25500 this year is the maximum you could take for a deduction. So that severely limits the amount that you could deduct in that first year you buy the piece of equipment. Those are the big changes. Um, like I said, the tax deduction limit and the spending cap changes on an annual basis. Uh, it went up at $40,000 this past year from 2019 to 2020 uh, because they wanted to still encourage people to purchase and invest. But that could go down again. So my recommendation is if you've got the income and you need the equipment, that's the time when you buy it now when you've got that tax deduction so you can live the for liability and take as huge of a credit as you can on your tax return because you never know when Section 179 is going to be decreased uh, going forward. So if you got the income this year too, probably going to be – Income is going to be a little bit higher. I would assume because of you've got PPP, you've got EIDL, you've got that government payments. Everything's looking pretty good. What I'm seeing from our clients as far as their income limits and their income this year. So now's the time to really take advantage of that. If you need new equipment to go out and buy that equipment to take that tax deduction uh, in the current year and then offset that tax liability on your return.
0: All right, and then let's let's look at 2020 specifically. A lot of businesses, especially if they have anything to do with the public or customers coming in, have had to invest in uh, PPE-type equipment, uh, dividers, uh, sanitation protocols, et cetera, et cetera, just to be COVID-compliant and be able to be open for business. Are those kinds of expenses included in this?
1: Yeah, anything from that standpoint, anything that's a improvement to the property, the, the building and stuff like that, that's put in place after the original uh, date of the the building coming into service. So the equipment that you're just talking about, the, the plexiglass dividers, the PPE, all that stuff, if you had to do any kind of updating because of ventilation or roofing or air conditioning security systems, anything like that can be is qualified real property as eligible for Section 179. Now it has to be an improvement to the building, you know, things like that. It can't be making an addition, building an addition, and then putting it in service. That's not eligible because it's becoming, coming in service to, as of this year. So it has to be stuff that you've done to the building uh, after the building's already been in service. So if you've already had the building for five years and you've done these improvements uh, for COVID 19, or for the heating, uh, air conditioning, roof, that stuff was eligible for section one seventy nine.
0: So, if um, if somebody had purchases written off on a like a dep- depreciation schedule in previous years, does that factor into the threshold for this year's amount spending amount, or is that a totally separate?
1: That's totally separate. It's just the purchases in twenty twenty. So anything that you bought this year in 2020 is what counts towards that threshold, that det- catch the option limit. So anything that's already on your depreciation schedule from prior years that's totally separate. You don't have to calculate that into 170.
0: All right, and you've probably seen some really interesting write offs in your uh, in your tenure working with, with working with folks. What are some of the most bizarre things that you've uh, written off?
1: Uh, I can think of one thing just from you're talking from a depreciation standpoint or are you talking from 179? Because if you seen more 179. You know, 179, I haven't seen a huge lot of, of really weird uh, things. Everything's been pretty consistent. I've seen more on the depreciation side where people try to sneak something through um, that seems pretty, you know, questionable, but the thing is, if you have a defense that you, you can put anything on there and depreciate anything or take 179 anything, as long as you have a defensible position with the IRS if they ever question it. So the way I always like to explain it is, there's this whole area of the tax law. There's a red area where it's totally wrong. There's a black area where it's totally 100% right, and those two are small areas. In the middle is this big gray area where it's illegal to do it as long as you have a defensible position. So you could put anything in that gray area pretty much. There's not too much. It's totally red and illegal. There's not too much. It's totally black and and 100%, you know, on board. There's So that gray area is huge. But as far as 179, I have not seen anything real weird that I can think of off the top of my head. Nothing sticks out. Um yeah, you know, I've seen more on, like I said, the depreciation. I've seen people, that, uh, and we've actually put through as like a dog uh, for security purposes. Um, they use a dog that's more of almost like a pet, but they keep them out. Uh, there is a, it was a soft storage uh, company, and they would leave them out by the soft storage, you know, overnight. You know, that's where they slept, but they called it security for them and put it through as an expense um, but as far as I can't think of anything off the top of my head to be honest with you Tara.
0: who would have thought writing off your dog on your taxes <laughs> the, this gray area you talk about though reminds me of a meme I've seen on social media and it's a picture of a motorhome driving through the field pulling a grain cart and the caption says when the IRS comes asking why the farm rode off the RV <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, the one thing, you know, not to go quite that far, but I mean, everything you see, you know, some, I've seen some places right off a boat, you know, it's kind of questionable because it's a personal boat. But, you know, I think that's probably more, as, it, as I think about it, the ATVs and the UTVs and the boats and things like that are probably the more the gray area uh, that, and then you said the, the R&D, you know, if somebody wanted to push that far, um, those would be the things that would be more questionable you know, possibility, but I've seen it done and don't see it too often where I IRS questions it if you've got a good backup to it.
0: So have you ever seen, have you ever seen a client or somebody that you know of in your network get questioned on something like that and to get in trouble for it or have to reverse claiming it?
1: I have not personally had anybody on my clients that have done that. Uh, that have had to reverse claim that and get rid of it, come off the depreciation. Um, and I have seen stories or heard stories and seen some from other uh, accountants and CPAs that have pushed it a little bit too far and they have questioned it. It's not too bad. Maybe the IRS come through and ask for, a, a, you know, they can either come through and do an audit on everything if it's really and bad if it's a huge amount uh, or else they'll just have a question where you have to support, give the supporting documents and it's like a letter that comes out and uh, they question you and once you send in supporting documentation and what it was used for and like that and go through an a inter- interview process that way rather than a full-blown audit. So it's not too bad of a thing if you have to reverse around other than if you do lose and it does come off your tax liability is going to go up, and then you get some more money to the IRS. Uh, so it's it's not too bad of a process.
0: And what do you think? You know, we're we're kind of trucking trucking into fourth quarter here, the calendar year. What are some things that you are pushing your clients to look at or think about as we close close down the calendar year? Um, you know, what are some adv- some tips of tips and advice that you might want to leave our listeners with?
1: Sure. Some of the things we're we're pushing our clients for is you know. Now's the time to really start doing this. If you haven't done a lot of purchases throughout the year and your net income is is up there, you want to limit the tax liability, now's the time to start really thinking about those purchases because those purchases have to be made and put in service by 1231. Uh, So by the end of the year, you have to have that piece of equipment in your hand and be able to use it. Uh, If you have just ordered it and it hasn't come in yet and you're unable to get your hands on it and actually use it, you are not allowed to take that 179 or depreciation for this year. It always comes down to when you place that asset in service. So now's the time to actually start looking at it. Now's the time to be talking to your accountant and your CPA and talking to them about tax planning to see exactly where you are so you know what you can do to limit. There's a lot of more things we can do besides 179 uh, to help limit your liability Now than there is to do after the fact, uh, it comes next year. It really limits the amount of things that we can do to to lower that tax liability. So now is the time to do it. Now is the time to think about what equipment, machinery is maybe getting to the end of its life that you need to do an upgrade on to get something new uh, to replace that. Now, again, it doesn't have to be a brand new piece of equipment. It can be used. It just has to be new to you, uh, and you purchased it this year put it in service. So look at that machinery equipment, anything that you need to be replaced. Look at the, you know, automatic feeders, the barn cleaners, anything like that. Maybe you need some more office equipment to help with your property, you know, maintain your records. Maybe you need a new computer or a laptop. That all qualifies um, that you can use to maintain your records, you know, anything like that. Um, kind of getting kind of late in the season to put up a brand new building. Don't know if will really get done in time, uh, but you know, you, if you need a new building, look at that. But the majority of this machinery equipment, what needs to be replaced, or what do you need to make your uh, farm or your business really grow and take that next step? Maybe it isn't something you need to replace. Maybe it's something that would make it make you more productive. Uh, that's something you should take a look at now, as long as you have that net income. But you're not going to know that unless you've been keeping track of your records throughout the year and talking to your accountant or CPA and see exactly where you are. Now, we're going to, when a client comes to us with our records, we're obviously not to the end of the year, but we can project out for what's going to happen for the remainder of the year. You know, especially if it's a client that's been with us for many years, we've got consistent, uh, records. And we can look back at and say, okay, we can see what they're gonna come in. If they're you know a dairy farmer, see what kind of checks are gonna come in. You know, all this will have the records to project out. Um, so get in, talk to your accountant, your CPA, see where your income is, see where you're sitting, see what kind of what you need to do to limit that liability. Go out and make those purchases if you're able to do that to lower that liability.
0: Hey that's a really good point you made there, Neil. It's not that you wanna it's not that you have to have made the purchase or paid the money. It's that you have to have the equipment received and usable at your farm in order to write it off. And with 2020, you know, everything's been so crazy as far as shipping and manufacturing and getting stuff out the door. So you, it's not like other years where you can kind of wait till the tail end of the year and, and quit and get something bought and out there and write it off. You've, you've got to have some lead time on some of this stuff. So folks need to be getting some pencil to paper and getting that figured out and getting orders placed sooner than later uh, to make sure that they actually can get it re- received in this calendar year
1: yeah that's definitely correct you know everything's kind of screwed you know I think he's talking about memes I've seen out there where uh, somebody put up a you know a Halloween decorations and instead of putting up a ghost or vampire vampire anything like that they put up the numbers 2020 and they said this is the scariest thing I could think of to put up you know it is it is a weird year everything is messed up uh, it takes a little bit more planning to get things done this year. So as Sarah was saying, you definitely got to get out there and do it sooner than quicker if you were planning on doing
0: that. All right. Thanks for sharing those words of wisdom, Neil. Thanks for being an expert in your field and helping our listeners uh, think through a few things that can help them strategize as they look towards closing out their calendar year. So with that, thank you, Neil. And uh, hit like and subscribe to TopCon Talks Agriculture to hear more of the insights we have coming down the pipe. Thank you.